I'm Angela Kelly Robeck, host of the Empowered Principal Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is partnering with the John Maxwell Company to bring interviews like Episode 402 with Jason Stoughton and Episode 403 with Jeff Henderson, and also to make you aware of the awesome leadership event called Live to Lead coming October 8th, 2021 to Atlanta, Georgia. Go to L2LATL.com for more information, and when you go to check out, use the code K-12 get a special discount. See you there. Hey, Steve here, and my podcast, Teaching Learning Leading K-12, is hosted on Podbean. If you use my affiliate link when you sign up for podcast hosting, you will get one month free. I've been on Podbean for the whole existence of my podcast since November of 2013. In that time frame, I've had nonstop service. I've had easy access to assistance when I needed help. I've been able to upload unlimited pictures and podcast episodes. The dashboard is easy to use. My Podbean community has grown tremendously. Looking at starting a podcast? Well, use my affiliate link to get one month free of hosting. Go to my website at stephenmaletto.com slash sponsors and click on the Podbean hosting link to see what plans are offered and choose the one that you like the best. You'll be glad you did. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Chloe B. Larson. She is a 25-year veteran teacher from the New Jersey public school system, where she primarily taught middle school science. She's an author, professional development instructor, as well as course creator, and she runs teen workshops. Today, we are focused on her book, The Power of Choice, A Teen's Guide to Finding Personal Success. Such a cool conversation. So much to learn. And then thanks for listening. And by the way, it would be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews and rate and review the podcast. Could you do that for me? Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Hey, do you need help in becoming more effective at teaching virtual classes? Well, NVTA, the National Virtual Teaching Association, has a semester program that is college accredited and designed to help you become more successful as a virtual teacher. A few of the topics that will be focused on are establishing relationships in the virtual environment, virtual instruction best practices, differentiation in the virtual classroom, and managing virtual resources, among others. NVTA is an affiliate partner with Teaching Learning Leading K-12, and there's so much there to help you be successful in the virtual classroom. Uh, so take a look. Go to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash sponsors, find the NVTA logo, and click on it to take you to their website. Happy learning. You know, I've had the good fortune to connect with several representatives from KitCaster, a podcasting booking agency. They reached out to me on behalf of their clients who want to spread the word about their book, their story, their ideas, their businesses, and so much more. KitCaster has been such a pleasure to work with, and I always enjoy working with their clients. Now, KitCaster is an affiliate partner with Teaching Learning Leading K-12, which is really cool. And, and I got to ask you, have you been wanting to tell your story on podcasts? Podcasts are a great way to grow your personal and business brand. If you're an expert in your field, have a unique story to share, or an interesting point of view, it's time to explore the world of podcasting with KitCaster. Go to kitcaster.com slash TLLK12 or go to my webpage at stephenmaletto.com slash sponsors, click on the KidCaster logo, and apply for a special offer for just the friends of Teaching Learning Leading K-12. You are listening to Teaching Learning Leading K-12, a podcast for educators helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. 
Claude Larson is a 25-year veteran of teaching in New Jersey public schools, primarily middle school science. Her experience can be distilled down to two core beliefs about education and life. First, education can give anyone, despite their circumstances, power to direct their future. And second, well-developed life habits have the power to give each day more value. Her daily choices, both large and small, have brought her great success in life. Her books, professional development courses, and teen workshops are vehicles to help you find the path to success for yourself and contribute your greatness to the world. Claude, thanks for joining me today, and say hi to everyone. Hi there, everybody, and thank you so much, Steve, for having me on. Well, I'm glad to have you here, and we got a lot to talk about, and uh, um, especially because we're going to focus on your your book, The Power of Choice, A Teen's Guide to Finding Personal Success. So uh, before we do that, though, let's talk about you. You're a 25-year veteran teacher in the New Jersey public schools, primarily middle school science. What got you interested in teaching middle school science? Say, say the question again, just so I follow on the right path. Okay. Um, Claude, before we do anything else, let's talk about you. You, you are a 25-year veteran teacher in the New Jer- Jersey public schools, primarily middle school science. What, what got you interested in teaching middle school science? Uh, in college, I was in a science-based major, and I, lo- I just loved science. But after a summer camp experience at a residential camp with uh, multiply handicapped kids, I became interested in being an educator. So I brought my science along with me, went into education, and I had the fantastic opportunity during my student teaching to work in a middle school. And... Um, Nobody else wanted this assignment, right? They were looking for cooperating teachers, and some of my um, fellow classmates wanted high school, and a lot of them wanted, like, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and I knew that was not my jam. So when I got in with these 12, 13, 14-year-olds, I was like, this is it. They were, they were just – they were funny, quirky, enthusiastic, um, and – uh, they were really interested in science, um, the, you know, the natural world and phenomenon and all of that stuff. A lot of them noticed things but never really understood why. So it was just sort of this great vehicle where I could be a total science nerd and they thought it was cool. <laughs> There's not a lot of places where that happens. <laughs> so um, it just it was a good fit. And, and really over my 25-year career, you know, there was a point in time where I just wanted a job because now I got out of college, had bills to pay. And um, so I took a job in a more primary grade and I immediately started looking while I was teaching second graders. It's like, how do I get back to the older kids? And, you know, I did that for a year and found a middle school position and went to that. Then I, you know, I did the classic thing. I had kids, stayed home, raised them until they were school age, went back into the classroom and took the only job I could get, which was one year at a high school. Um, I also have a degree in special education as well as um, K to eight and a science um, specialty. So I did the year in high school and I was like, how do I get back to the middle school? (laughs) So it took me, you know, just a little bit of time to figure out, yeah, I don't want the little ones. And they get to a point at the high school where they were 
like too cool for school and being a science nerd was not engaging. They were like, no, we're not doing this. So, um, yeah, so I just, I loved my niche in the middle school and it's one of those, like the range of the strange you get, you know, the really mature ones, the really immature ones, it's puberty. It's like all of that. And either you love it or you run the other way. So I just happen to love it. And, uh, so I, I made a career out of it, which is, it was great. It was rewarding. Uh, it was frustrating, <laughs> but in the end, I know that, uh, you know, it was, it was a really good place for me to be. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Cause I, I know a lot of colleagues who, you know, I spent um, most of my career in the high school and uh, a lot of colleagues would be going middle school. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, and, know. and, and that's so awesome that you, you love working with them because they, they are, they are definitely, there's so many things going on in their world. And on top of that, you're going to try and teach them science. So, <laughs> right. Right. And, uh, and that's, uh, and you know what, that's, like I think about it, that's what they paid me to do. Uh, my job is to deliver this science curriculum to you. And um, towards the end of my career, I realized that what I really wanted them to learn were the habits that they would need throughout life, more so than they need to know this about the periodic table or that about Newton's laws. I was, I was teaching physical science for the bulk of my uh my time in the classroom. And, uh, and that's how this book actually came to be. It was late in my, late in my career. The last two years um, is when uh, I just felt a need to make a shift in my classroom. Gotcha. Very cool. And by the way, you know, we're building up to, uh, to your book, the power, the power of choice and, uh, and uh, which great stuff there. That's going to, um, and I could see where it, uh, uh, you're thinking probably a lot about those uh, middle schoolers that you worked with and the uh, directions in their lives. So good stuff. So, but before we go there, I got to ask you this: if you if you could go back to you on the day, now I'm going to use a lot of uh, yous and yours here. So, <laughs> but if, okay. if you could go back to you on the day before your first day of teaching, what advice would you give you? Um, I think I would give myself the advice to um, worry less about what I covered in curriculum. Everybody, it's, it seems, you know, when you're, when you're new in the career, everybody's worried about where you are in the curriculum and did you get it all covered? And really in the end, I thought, I, like, honestly, I guess, you know, you get older, you get a little more mature, you look back on life and I, I sat down one day and I said, what do I actually remember from eighth grade science? Because that's what I was teaching. What do I remember from this? And I was like, uh, I remember my teacher's name. I remember what he looked like. I remember that he was nice. And I literally could not attribute one more thing to <laughs> what I learned in eighth grade science, which was really sad. But I thought, Okay, so it's not about the science because I was a successful adult teaching science, but I couldn't attribute any knowledge to when I was 13. I had learned that all later. Um, and of course, you learn it by teaching it. And I think I would tell myself, worry less about that and more about the connections 
the connections you make with the kids, the connections you watch them make with each other. And it's really about how, especially in middle school, how they feel about themselves while they're in your presence and while they're in your classroom. Much more so than what's on my lesson plan today. What am I supposed to be covering? Um, you know, what's right and what isn't. Yeah, I think that's, that's the, uh, it's the focus of some classrooms. But I think the human element is so, it's just so essential. You'll get the learning, but first you have to have the human contact and the human connection with the kids. That's so cool. That's so cool. I love that because that's, you know, I, I remember my, my first day very well, um, only because of just a series of you know, goofy things that happened yeah. and, and that uh, couldn't be really planned for like a mat, you know, like a, the screen falling off the wall. And uh, for those of you don't know what screens are, you know, that's the, <laughs> that's the early version of the mini whiteboard, the big whiteboards, but the, uh, you know, it, uh, I remember it falling off the wall and a kid tripping and, and stumbling into the overhead projector. And it just, it was like in a series of just things that you're like, but I can remember being very uptight about the different stuff. And I had a great um, mentor who was assigned to me and uh, he was the department head and he was very good about, you know, giving you advice and stuff like that. But that's, that's cool what you're talking about. Cause I think that is something that we get too caught up sometimes in what we're trying to teach that we forget about the connectivity and so forth. That's important there. You know, yeah. And I think also as teachers, as a whole, we like to be prepared. We like to look like we know what we're doing. Right. And I, <laughs> I think, you know, it took me a little while not to be so nervous, but then my other advice to me to myself would be like, laugh more. Nice. Because sometimes like I would say things and I'd be like, my mouth is clearly not connected to my head today. Let me start again. Nice. Whereas like in the past, I would have felt terrible about like, I'm babbling. What am I saying? Um, and if you could just laugh at yourself, they, you know, again, you look more human and um, they get it. Like they're, they're not, um, they're not going to think less of you for it. They're just, you're just like, Oh, I make mistakes. Don't we all? Oh, well, you know? that's, you know, and, and that's a big part of, of it all is that they have to see that you are human. You're not, you're not this, you know, robot that goes and locks itself in, in the closet and recharges for the next day when they leave, <laughs> you know? And I really think some of the kids, the younger they get, the more they think stuff like that. <laughs> There, and, you know, and there's, it's funny because there are adults who say things about teachers that you're like, did you just say that? Like I was with, uh, uh, this is like, this is a side story, but for a long time I was a skydiver. So nice. Yeah. It, it's, it's an amazing sport. So, um, I'm on the plane and I'm with my teammates. I jumped, uh, formation jumping. So I'm with my teammates and I'm, you know, sitting next to one of my teammates and he looks down, he goes, I don't know what that building is. Cause we always, our team always met on Sundays. I don't know what that building is, but there's nobody ever in the parking lot. So I go, well, it's a school. There's a, you see the football field, there's a track, all those yellow things. Those are buses. They're just like lined up. Right. And he goes, well, why aren't the teachers there? And I'm like, 
it's Sunday. <laughs> and it was like, it just dawned on him, like, we don't live there. I'm like, a full grown adult. Nice, nice. <laughs> it's Sunday, dude. I'm a teacher and I'm sitting on a plane with you. <laughs> nice. That's funny. The, and then did the light bulb go off finally? <laughs> uh, yeah, like then he, like, he was a little like, I don't want to say like embarrassed, but a little, you know, like sheepish at that point. Like, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's actually like, hilarious. Be grading papers, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> You're not there every day of the week. Come on. I know. It's like uh, that's excellent. <laughs> nice. Uh, it, yeah. What a cool perspective, too, though, to be coming down to the sky and you got someone talking about what is that building? Going <laughs> well. There's a football field. There's buses. Yeah, I think I know yeah, what that is. Like, that's a school. That's a football field. That's a track. Like it was bright red. I'm like, how do you? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Excellent. So, well, Claire, let's, let's shift into your book. Um, you know, your book's called The Power of Choice, A Teen's Guide to Finding Personal Success. What inspired you to write The Power of Choice? Um, the Power of Choice came to me in two flashes. First, I had um, a class of students that was just like a band of characters <laughs> and uh, they came in full throttle and I was like, wow, this is a lot. Um, and I thought that's okay because I got 24 years of teaching under my belt and I got all the techniques and whatnot. And it, it turned out I really didn't. So by the middle of winter, I sat down one day and I said, I am making no difference whatsoever. I sat at my desk. I looked out the window. I said, they're no more polite than the day they walked in here. They are no more motivated. They are not get, you know, they're just, they're just not maturing. And usually I see growth. And usually by this time of the year, I've seen changes and I'm not seeing it. And I feel like I'm coming in, getting here early every morning and making no, like affecting no change. And how hard is that when you're a teacher and you don't see any growth? I think that is, it's just so, um, you know, it kills your motivation. So I sat there and I said, okay, look, they, it is what it is, right? But it's, it's not a situation. It's a problem. I can solve this. And I said, I got to do something different. And uh, it was a Friday. I said, I'm going to spend this weekend writing down what I want them to know. You know, I had that moment about what did I learn in middle school? What did I come out of this with? Well, the human connections were the only things I remembered. So I said, I'm, gonna, I'm going to start teaching them life habits because their habits were, they were terrible. And I felt like they had not received a lot of guidance from the other adults that they had come across along the way. Uh, and so I went home. I wrote down a bunch of habits over the weekend. You know, when I sit, talk about excellence, they glaze over. They have no idea what I'm talking about. When I talk about <laughs> like attitude or accountability or responsibility or, or gratitude, any of these things I talk, you know, these were like, these were, this was my verbiage. This was my life. This is how I live my life. These are the things I think about. And it was like just blank stares looking at me like, what is she talking about? So I, I wrote down 10 topics and every Monday, 
I said, for the next 10 weeks, I am going to commit every Monday, I am going to talk about one of these topics, very off the cuff, very like we are just having a conversation here. And I, one of two things will happen. I will fall on my face that nothing will change. They will graduate and nobody will be the wiser or because, you know, teachers definitely don't want to be embarrassed. Right. Right. Um, or something will happen and maybe I can direct that. Right. So I started out the first um, the first Monday. I sat down on my little stool in front of the class. I was like, clear your desks, have nothing. I want no clutter, nothing distracting in front of you. I just want your full and undivided attention. And I did this 10 minute talk and I did it with each of my classes and I did it every Monday. Um, and in one day, in one day, I saw a shift and suddenly they were, oh, she's not, you know, because I was coming in, I would get up early in the morning and exercise. I was full of energy. I'm like, we're going to do science. And it was like, I was totally calm. Have your full attention. And we're going to talk about something more important than anything else. And they responded. And they were nicer. Like, they were quiet. The rest of that day, I... I took 15 minutes to do this little mini lesson and I still accomplished everything else I wanted to do that day because they were focused. I had their attention and I had discussed, you know, the power of your thoughts, the power of your mind, right? The first chapter in the book. And that's what I had. The chapter is titled your dirty mind that because I knew that if I was going to do this, I had to grab their attention out of the gate. And that was the first thing I had written in my board. Oh, we're going to talk about your dirty mind today. And <laughs> they were like, you have our full and undivided attention. <laughs> and I, you know, I did this and, and there was a shift. And the most challenging students became more polite. They became, um, l there was less interrupting by far. I, couldn't, I could not believe the level of change. And so I kept on. And by week 10, we still had school year left to go. And it became apparent to me at that point, because students were asking me, are we doing this again on Monday? Are we doing this again on Monday? And I so I continued until the end of the year. And the following year, I said, well, that that was too good to pass up. So I started, you know, I got my uh, couple weeks under my belt, get September, get everything established, your classroom routines and your standards and expectations and all of that. And then I said, all right, we're going back to Mindful Monday, short, quick lessons. It was the best year I had. They were so, uh, they were so engaged they were more motivated. They did more classwork. Students who, you know, other teachers would say, oh, that kid, I just can't get them to do anything in my class. I'd be like, I don't have that problem. Or this one, you know, won't stay on task. Or and I would say, I, I don't have that problem. Like, I wish I could help you. Um, but you might want to just have a personal conversation with that student. Um, they were like, oh, I'm going to call the parents and I'm going to do it. And I'm like, 
why don't you just sit down and talk to the kids, see where they're coming from, because I think, you know, that's where you're going to get more information that's useful to you than calling a parent to complain about their behavior or what they are or aren't doing. Um, so, yeah, and, and so that the first flash was I got to make a change. Into the second year I got started, my, my colleague and girlfriend says to me, I don't know what you're doing, but I know you're retiring at the end of the year and I want what you have. So I said, oh, great. So I would like voice memo on my phone. I would just like record one of my little talks. I was like, then she'll have all the topics. It'll be no big deal. I'll send these off to her. No, you know, nothing to worry about. And about four or five weeks in, I was sitting there. I hit voice memo and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to write a book. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> because it wasn't, it just wasn't on my, you know, like people have that on their bucket list or whatever. And I'm like, I, it never occurred to me until that moment. If I can help, if I can help these students and me have a great school year, why wouldn't I help more teachers and their students have a great relationship with each other and have a more meaningful school year? What, what, what's stopping me? So I wrote a book. That's cool. Very cool. I like that. That's, that's neat. I can imagine the, the thought all of a sudden going, wait, what have I done here? I've got this all on this. <laughs> yeah, cool. Turn this into and a book. That, and, and so that, and that's exact. That's why the book is 30 chapters. Cause if you think about a school year, what's a school year? 37, eight weeks, something like that. Yeah. So you got to establish the beginning. You got standardized testing. That's like a whole other, that's a week that's, you know, blown out of the water. The last couple weeks can be a little nutty. And I was kind of like, wow, this literally gives you one a week. You can do this all year. Um, so keeping the educational setting in mind, because that was that's my expertise, right? That's where I have most years of experience. Very cool. That's uh, that's awesome that it, uh, it it came out that way as you were doing it. I, I love that. So it, let's let's get into the book. You know, in, in the forward of the power of choice, you comment that ultimately the goal is to help you decide what kind of person you want to be and help you figure out how to get there. Let's talk about your goal. Okay. So, um, and it, I know that, um, if you watch, you know, if you watch any media, people are defining success as, you know, they have a lot of fame, they have a lot of power, they have a lot of money, they drive a fancy car, perhaps like, uh, just like, you know, school administrators. And, um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of outside influence on what, success is and there's a lot of people telling you what you should be or how you should act or what you should have right that's marketing and advertising that's that's the world we live in so little of it comes from the inside like what do you actually want um and i think again i get a little older i get a little wiser i know what i like i know what i don't like i, I know what i like to do i know I know who I like to be around and I define success in my life differently through the course of my life. When, you know, when you're a young parent, you're just like, I want to just be a good parent. I want to do the best I can and, and maybe get a good night's sleep here and there, you know, and then like your success changes. Okay. Now in my career, what is successful? What is, what is a successful classroom environment look like for you? 
And then, you know, later in your career, you're like, okay, how, what do I want to change? What, what can I make better? I think, te and teachers are so lucky. We get to do this every year. What worked last year? How am I making it better this year? What am I tweaking? What am I tossing? Because that, you know, didn't have the meaningful impact I was hoping for. Um, and I think personal success is defined by everybody differently. And it gets us away from the scarcity mindset that there isn't enough for everybody, so we have to compete. There's abundance. Whatever you want to be successful at, and you apply your time and your energy and your effort and your learning to, you can be successful at. Because not everybody wants the same thing. And that's... Um, I think that's an important lesson for teens because they all think they're going to be a professional athlete or they're going to be a rock star or they're, you know, they're going to be the CEO and they're, and, and they don't see that that, you know, some of those people are really unhappy. You know, how many of them have, um, you know, dependency issues and uh, mental breakdowns and depression and anxiety. And you're like, I know you think because of their Instagram feed that their, their life is, you know, awesome, but it's not because they haven't taken the time to say, what, wait, what do I want? You know, that's, that's awesome. That's yeah. Cause they, they wrote, you know, a lot of times you have, you know, a lot of them haven't, they haven't thought about it. They haven't thought about any of that and having somebody to help them kind of at least think about it. I mean, I, I don't know by, you know, my day, it was uh, junior high, not middle school. And, uh, yeah, you know, me too. by the time I got to that, uh, that level, I had, a, I had so many different ideas going through my brain about, uh, everything from a jet fighter pilot to a comic book artist to a veterinarian. And, uh, it's just interesting how, uh, you know, but just having somebody talk with you about how you get there and what you, you know, what sorts of ideas you have to have going on to, to make it happen. So good stuff. You know, that's the stuff in the book is, um, it's, you know, have all those ideas, explore all of, all of those ideas, but the things that are going to get you what you want are the habits that you put in place along the way, you know, without, without showing up, right. Without doing that, you know, practicing those habits without that practice, you're not going to get where you want they you know it takes 10 years to be an overnight success right that's a I don't know, they attribute that saying to a lot of people right so i won't quote anybody but you know they all think that that rock star that happened in a week no they've been playing guitar in their basement for 20 years before they got up in front of you know all the lights and the fame and the people so no, that's cool. Yeah, you know, one of the things that uh, you've you already kind of touched on this a little bit. You talked about uh, why there's 30 chapters and how that kind of worked out that way. But one of the things that's in the formatting of your book is that you it's like a workbook. You have uh, you have different places where they can respond to a question or you have uh, different little tables that they can fill out and such in responding to a question. Where did the thought can't come from to kind of make it like that workbook idea? Um. I mean, I guess as a teacher, you know, we're used to that format, like we're going to ask you a question and it's, you know, I want you to have an answer. The problem is, I think, you know, what we grade you on is having a 
correct, logical, reasonable answer. And this is, you can have any answer you want. It just has to be your truth. Like, but, but write it down because thinking about it isn't real, but seeing it in your own handwriting makes such an impact. They slow down. You know, I never permitted, like you could never do this on your laptop. Nobody could have an electronic device anywhere near where this action was happening. To me, that was just, that was distraction. Um, and if you really want to focus on making your life better, I need you to focus, which means slow down. Think about every word you're writing down. Look at it, examine it and feel that, like feel if you really want to do something. And, you know, some of those are, um, you know, how do you express gratitude to the people in your life? Some, some kids really don't, you know, like their, their parents say, you got to say please and thank you. Okay, fine. But they don't, they don't have the because I am thankful because, right. And when they have to sit there and say, how do I express gratitude to my parents or to my friends or my grandparents or my family members. And if they suddenly realize they don't, and it's like, okay, you might want to, you might want to check in on that and see how that would change your relationship with that person. If you, if you expressed sincere gratitude, that was specific, right? I think in the book it's like, thank you for growing, for going grocery shopping. I know it's expensive, takes a lot of time, takes a lot of energy. I know you work hard for the money to do that. I appreciate that the like you know that, that you've done this. Like there is no refrigerator fairy that fills the refrigerator. What? So There's thank not? you for that. Like that's specific because how many times and you know, you're a parent, how many times you go to the grocery store, you you know, you bag it, you put it in your car, you drive it home. What's the last thing you want to do? Put it away. Uh, <laughs> right? It's such a task. I don't know why, but like finishing that is just like, uh, I'm on that planet. Don't get it. You know, kids don't get it because yeah. they, they're not doing that. They just are like, look, the fridge is full. Oh, you know, leprechauns. That's hilarious. Cause sorry, that's, I'm exactly on that planet. I, I bring it home and I, I look and I go, I wonder if the cats can do this part. <laughs> like, <laughs> Come on, somebody help. Let's let's just I'll just leave it on the counter. I wonder if it'll be put away by the time. No, <laughs> nope. Nope. that's funny. I, you know, one of the things you've already talked about, I got to make sure that I, I say this because you, you've gotten in there. I love you have some really cool titles to your chapters that are going to make somebody go, OK, I got to at least I got to definitely read this one because I got to know what this is about. And, you, you know, you already talked about one of them, which is chapter one, your dirty mind. And, uh, you know, in that, in that chapter, and we're going to get to some of those others that I thought were pretty cool. Um, I want to look at this comment that you made in that chapter. So this is chapter one, your dirty mind. Consider that your mind is very much like a pile of dirt. The mind will allow anything that you plant there to grow. Go with that. Um, I have watched really positive kids surround themselves with classmates who are complainers, they are down on themselves, they are negative, and that energy will start to seep in, and a really positive kid will start to have self-doubt. I've also seen the really positive kid 
say to a kid who's struggling, it's okay, you can do this, I'll help you. And like, and then you see their face light up like, oh, this is not gonna be impossible. Somebody has come my way. And I've, I've seen the energy go both ways. And I really think, and we know we've got like that mental chatter that like, oh, this is hard and this is going to be a pain and I don't know if I can do this. And, you know, you get this on uh, like this little monologue going in your head and it's just a thought. You know, like if you actually just break it down and take one small step and start telling yourself, you know, this is possible, right? I can do this. You can. But the minute you start believing you can't, it, it just makes that hill that you got to get over so much higher, so much harder. And, um, you know, I did that as my first lesson when I presented this to a really challenging group. And I actually had a kid, I, I did this little meditation that I had learned from my Qigong teacher who that's like a, a healing martial arts. It's all about like health and, and you know, wellness. And that my teacher had taught me, taught the group this meditation where you focus on your hand, eyes closed. And I suggest that your fingers are getting longer and longer and they're touching the clouds and they're, they're to the edge of the atmosphere and you can scratch the edge of the atmosphere. You can feel outer space and, you know, like I just eyes closed, focused on your hand. And when you put your hands back together, your, your fingers will actually be longer on one hand. Like you, it's two minute meditation. And I did this with the class. And then I talked about, this is the power of your thoughts. I wasn't secretly going around, like, you know, extending everybody's fingers while you got, while your eyes were closed. You did this with your mind. Like this is, this is what you are capable of. And I had a kid stand up and clap for me in that moment. And like when you say a 14-year-old boy stood up in my classroom and clapped and he looked at everybody else like, like, uh, you know, suddenly he realized this might not be the best social thing to do in eighth grade. But <laughs> he was also like, guys, don't you all think that was amazing? that was amazing. My hand was like longer than my other hand, you know? And, uh, and they just like, all of a sudden they were like, yeah, I should think better thoughts because you know, when you're going through puberty, Oh, your thoughts for, I, I feel for them, you know, so glad that's so far behind yeah, it's a... and my kids, my kids are adults now. So yeah, I went through that, uh, you know, watching them and encouraging them. Uh, knowing full well that in their minds they never thought that they were good enough at anything. So, yeah, it's a rough, very rough time because you got all kinds of things happening anyway already. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Encouragement of that self doubt. You really wish weren't happening. Yes, but I love that chapter. What a great way to start. What a great way to start. And, it, you know, uh, uh, and there's all kinds of good ones. I just pulled out some that, uh, first of all, the title drew me to it. And second of all, the, uh, you know, then the subject, I just loved it. So, um, let's, let's take a look at chapter eight, walk the plank. In this chapter, you say courage is a muscle. Like any other muscle, you don't start lifting using 200 pound weights. What's this chapter all about? 
okay, that chapter is really trying to get middle schoolers to understand that you can live with the stress of trying to keep up and go with the crowd, or you can have the courage to just be yourself. Just be yourself. And some of that is, you know, that's like lifting the five pound weight. Everybody's doing this, right? Everybody's going to, um, you know, everybody's going to the movies and they're going to go see a horror movie. And that would, you know, that's what all the cool kids are doing. And I got invited. I hate being scared, right? So the thing might be to turn down the invitation. That takes courage because now it's like, well, will they ever invite me again? As opposed to saying, guys, I hate being scared. I hope you have a great time at the movie. I'll meet you afterwards for pizza. But like, I can't do this. You know, and and little acts like that, some kids will torture themselves and go do the thing they really don't want to do because they're afraid of being left out. Um, Or, you know, even standing up in front of the class, giving a presentation. I mean, some kids are terrified of that. And, and it's real, like, that's real. Like, what if I, you know, what if I stutter? What if I do something wrong? What if my presentation is terrible? What if the kids laugh? What, you know, they, they build it all up in their mind. It's just a five minute presentation that everybody else has to suffer through, you know, cause they've got theirs coming up half the time. Nobody's thinking about your five minute presentation cause they're, they know their turns. Right. <laughs> Right. right. The only kid who's paying attention to your presentation is the kid who has already gone. That's that's funny. Right? It, <laughs> because the rest of them are like, oh, God, I hope she doesn't pick my name out of the can next. <laughs> you know, like, so, yeah. Uh, just a side note, I I used to um, volunteer when you had presentation stuff like that to go first in hopes that I would be second. But <laughs> if I got chosen first, I got chosen first because there's nobody else to compare me to yet. And uh, so I'm just like, let's just get this out of the way and go do it. But uh, my real hope was that, uh, you know, someone else would be chosen. I'd be second or third. But, you know, it's like, but, it, you know, when you put yourself out there like that, of course, then the next thing that happens is uh, you're worried about uh, what they're thinking about. And you're right. A lot of times all they're thinking about is, oh, God, it's going to be my turn soon. So let's just get this done. <laughs> so Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're not. Yeah. But but it's still. Um, you know, it's still a legitimate fear for kids because, you know, middle schoolers, they, I would say really this book is like seventh, eighth, ninth grade. I think that's like the sweet spot for it, but they're just trying not to embarrass themselves every day. I mean, just get through the day without doing something ridiculous in gym or like dropping my lunch on myself and having a ketchup stain for the rest of the day on my shirt. Like they're just trying to get through the day. Um, yeah. yeah, I like that. So I got a, is a perfect uh, segue, I think, into uh, chapter 11, which is titled, I like me, I like me not. Yeah, you start off like this. We all have moments where we like ourselves and moments where we don't like ourselves very much. Where are you going with this chapter? Why'd you include it? Um, I think that's, I mean, that's another one, you know, a lot of peer pressure um, and kids lose their standards. And so that chapter is really all about knowing your standards. And, and I ask like some pretty pointed questions. They're like, how honest are you? 
right? Like, what is your standard for honesty? Because if people lie to you, are you okay with that? Are you okay if you lie to them? Or like you're honest and when people lie to you, you, you know, that, that bothers you or you get, you know, upset or you feel betrayed or, you know, whatever. And it's just, kids don't take time to set their standards because if they, and, and again, this is very personal because if white lies are okay to you, like, oh yeah, I wish I could have gone to that thing, but uh, I was, uh, you know, I was busy. I had to do my house chores on Saturday. Like, is that your white lie? Like you really just didn't want to go. So you made up an excuse and are you okay with that? Um, So therefore, when somebody says to you, oh, yeah, I just saw your text message that you sent four days ago, and that person is never without their phone. Like, are you okay with that? You know what I mean? Because if you if you're putting out little white lies, but then you're not accepting them, I think it's a good thing to realize where you fall on the spectrum for those standards. Um, And, you know, and and some of the other things that I address in there about more than honesty, but it's just really looking at your level of integrity that you are putting out and the level of integrity that you want to come in. Because there are a lot of people and, uh, you know, they love to be offended when somebody else uh, breaks their standards, yet they don't hold themselves to it. And I think when you point that out with kids, they start to see it's a give and take. If you if you know you're putting out that energy, you know you're going to be getting it back. And if you say, that person wasn't honest with me, therefore, I am honest all the time, then you know where the boundary is. Like, okay, now I cannot always take this person at their word. That's information for me to have, information for me to act on or, or act with, you know, go forward. with. Awesome. It, it, my favorite chapter, and when I say this, you know, um, it's funny because it, it makes me think that I'm implying that uh, other chapters aren't as good. No, 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 no. This is just my favorite chapter, right? Because they're, they're all good. And one of the things that I wanted to, to say is my, my favorite chapter is Beware of Vampires. Now, talk about a cool title, all right? So, uh, it's chapter 21. In the first first paragraph, you say this. People fall into the trap of doing what the most popular kids think they should do instead of being themselves. So, it kind of flows in with what you were just talking about. And so, let's let's kind of pick up from there. Interactions. You, you know, you watch them in your classroom because my kids work in groups a lot during class, but you, you see it more in the hallway and you watch the, the kid who is always trying to suck in everybody to their pity party. <laughs> um, they, you know, they're just like, and then this teacher said this about me and then this one is failing me and then this happened and this kid in gym class is doing it. And you're like, Oh, wow. What a vortex of not seeing any positivity in your day. And kids will, kids will get drawn to something like that. And it's exhausting. And you watch it. And, and the kid who walked into your class, who was like, you know, bouncing in like, woohoo, hey, you know, um, suddenly is next to somebody who is just little by little draining their energy. They're not even aware of it until suddenly they're in a bad mood and then they're complaining and they're like, where did this come from? And it's just a, you know, take a moment, pause. How do you feel about somebody really? Because there's the, that group that you sit with at lunch every day 
Um, and how do you feel after lunch? Do you feel uplifted? Is there somebody who's always, uh, you know, kind of a downer and always complaining, which is not, not to say a kid can't vent about something that happened that day, because you, you're going to listen to your friend, you're going to have some empathy. But if somebody, if that's all they do, and it, we all know those people, right? They're like, the, I call them the chronic malcontents, like, doesn't matter you could hand them cupcakes. They're not going to be happy. <laughs> like they're, they can see no gratitude in anything. And kids get into this. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's the influence of their classmates. Sometimes it's the influence of a family member. Um, you know, some situation. But I think when they start saying, hmm, I get sucked into that, they, they first recognize it. Oh, wait, I'm going down this path. I was in a good mood and now I'm complaining about things. I wasn't complaining when I came in here. I've gotten sucked into this energy. I can choose to, you know, have more positive thoughts in my mind. I can choose not to complain. I can choose to see the positive side of things. Um, and it is a little about be careful who you surround yourself with. Right? They say you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So look at your top five friends. Are they uplifting you? Are they encouraging you? Are they positive? Are they supporting you so that you can, you know, do great things that you want to do? Or are you all sitting around complaining about the same things over and over and over again? Because if you want some, if you want your life to be better, you got to, break out of that and find a new five people to, you know, spend most of your time with, which is hard in middle school. This is one of the things that I, I like about your book is that it's advice that adults need to read too. Cause <laughs> this is, you know, this is one, one of those chapters that's exactly, you know, it, it happens in the adult world too, which is um, either um, you've be you might've become that vampire or somebody else has become that vampire. And it just, you know, suddenly the whole world's bad and, you got to figure out how to get out of that mode. So good stuff and good advice. I, I got to make sure we mentioned chapter 30 because that's it, that last chapter. And and uh, just like the beginning chapter, which said uh, your dirty mind, the, you go back to that idea of dirt. And uh, chapter 30, you got uh, get your hands dirty. Uh, great way to end the power of choice, a teen's guide to finding personal success. In this chapter, you note, think about the thoughts that you've planted in your mind. Now it's time to do some weeding. So let's talk about weeding before, before they finish that book. Yeah, I did. Uh, you know, have the play on words, trying to bring it full circle, because this is, um, and anybody who has gardened, uh, they, the weeds keep coming. You, know, you <laughs> never get do. to a point where you never have a negative thought about a person or a thing or a situation, but you, like, you have to just keep pulling the weeds. The rocks keep coming up. I mean, I live here in New Jersey. It's like, we grow rocks. <laughs> I'm in the middle of the lawn and I'm like, I don't even know how that got there. Nice. You just have to keep pulling them out. Uh, and, and if your mind is going to be fertile soil that grows positive thoughts, right. That, that blossoms into something really beautiful. You got to keep pulling the weeds. They will appear. The rocks will show up the, you know, the, the slugs and the critters and the weird things that you don't want in your garden of your mind, 
you got to get rid of them. It's a daily task. And that's why the book is really about building the habits. Because a habit isn't something I did once. A habit is something I do every day, right? Or on a regular basis, if not daily. I'm looking at these things on a regular basis, trying to, you know, be better, get rid of what's not serving me. You know, it's kind of, sometimes I think about it as uh, there was this big push um, a few years back, there was a book about like decluttering, you know, what brings you joy and get rid of the things that don't. And it's, it's like that in your mind too. Like there are thoughts that you're so happy to think about that make you smile, that, you know, build you up, that your energy just flows and you're so motivated. And you see this, I mean, you're a high school administrator, the kids going to their band class because music fills their soul versus going to, I mean, they might be going to phys ed and that that just doesn't fill their soul. Whereas there's the kids going to phys ed and that fills their soul, right? I love to be running and moving and, and have all of this feeling in my body. And you see their demeanor, right? Because they might have a different demeanor going to band, going to phys ed, going to math class, because there are kids who love that too, right? And, you know, you got to look at what fills you up because again, there's not scarcity. There's enough for everybody. That's, that's awesome. Sorry. You got me thinking about, uh, yeah, you'd see uh, band and RTC were my favorite things in high school. And it's like, uh, I was always excited about going to those classes. There are a couple yeah. others, not so much for those two, that, and, uh, and I always loved German class. That was a good one too. But, uh, anyway, that's, I, I love that chapter and I love the way the whole book just kind of fits together with this, the, the advice that you're giving, uh, works really great, especially with those questions of reflection and so forth. Yeah. But besides the, the book itself, you also have a journal and you also have a, uh, uh, like a, a teacher's edition. You want to share a little bit about, uh, so you actually have three books here. Yes. Yeah. So the power of choice is, um, really for like, you could hand this to a teenager. It is the unusual teenager who will open this up and say, Oh, I want to do some self-discovery activities. Right? So I see it as an educational tool. Um, I think any class now, again, I did it in a science classroom. So if, if I can get it, if I can do this in a science classroom as a science teacher and see amazing results, still get through my curriculum with even more depth and understanding because I, I developed their ability to focus. Um, it, you know, it can be used anywhere. I think it's a great tool for parents of teenagers because it's got all these conversations you can have with your kid that are really hard to like figure out how do I, how do I even talk to my kid about their standards? right? Short of you're modeling yours, right? And they're seeing your behavior, but how do you get them to look at theirs? So I think that is a great tool in an educational setting, in a counseling setting, in any group youth organization where somebody is going to give them the time. Um, I'm a big believer in reading the chapter to the kid. They're not long and the students will listen to you without the distraction of the pencil and flipping through the pages and all of that, read them the content, allow them to answer those questions for themselves. 
the companion journal is um, when I published this, I was highly encouraged to make it an ebook, which I resisted at first. And then I realized, okay, you know, it's, it's kind of like smartphones. They aren't going away. <laughs> they aren't going away. Ebooks, they're not disappearing. So I said, okay. Um, my goal was really to help as many people as I could. So I also made it an ebook. But in an ebook, you can't write stuff down. You can get a notebook. All the questions are in my ebook, and you could get a notebook and um, you know designate it for this and write in that notebook. However, the companion journal would accompany the ebook so that you have a place that has the charts, it has the questions, it has the space, the pages to write down your thoughts. It goes right along with the book. Now, as an educator, the teacher's edition has to me is like that little cherry on top of this of this frosted little cupcake here is um and and you know i will tell you this was the most amazing classroom management system ever you devote a little time on monday i had no discipline issues like none kids we just had this great like positive relationship. And again, teachers would say, Oh, I don't know. This kid is that I can't get them to do stuff. I'm like, I, they never do that in my room. So it was, it was like no discipline. I didn't have to grade anything. I didn't have to keep any records. And my favorite, there was no external reward. They did it for the value it gave them. Yes. And then in the teacher's edition, I realized you kind of want to bring this together at the end, but you're dealing with maybe 25 or 30 kids sitting in your class and you don't, they don't want to share their personal stuff in this random arrangement of classmates, right? They might want to share it with their personal friends, family members, whatever, but they're not going to want to share it publicly in this space. So the teacher's edition, at the end of each chapter, I created an activity you could do with your entire class where they don't have to divulge any personal information. So I'm going to give you a quick example. There's a chapter on excellence. You give them, they all get a blank piece of paper. You fold it in half. On one side of the paper, um, they write always. And on the opposite side of the paper, they write never. And they, they think of a person that they feel is excellent. So this could be, I think my mom is excellent. I think this rock star is excellent. I think this athlete is excellent. I think this teacher is excellent. It doesn't matter who they think is excellent. What is something that person always does? What is something that person never does? You've not divulged any personal information, but you think that this person always does this and that shows to me they have excellence right and then you get a class to share what are some traits that you guys consider excellent and it sparks this discussion um and then later when you like i would say to the class i want this to be done with excellence we all know what that means right that's going to be your highest, best, greatest effort. 
This is going to be you putting your full focus and attention into it. This is you doing it in the most cooperative way possible, right? And we all understood it because we had the dialogue. This is what excellence always is. This is what excellence never is, right? I don't want you, I don't want to hear you complaining because that would not be doing this with excellence. I don't want you to be, um, you know, sitting there doing nothing while the rest of your group is putting this, uh, you know, this diagram together or, you know, whatever the task was, I want it done with excellence. And again, it's every habit, you now have an activity that you can do that extends that habit. It's great for if you do have a built-in study hall period, um, you can wrap this around. If you are, I, honestly, I believe if you are a, a language arts teacher or an English teacher, this is all, it's, it's right, the four core things, reading, writing, listening, and speaking. It's all of those. So, I mean, it would work great in that classroom, but the teacher's edition has not only the 30 chapters, as written, it has the 30 bonus or extension activities um, for the whole class. Very cool. Very cool. Well, good stuff. The, you know, um, well, before we, before we close, if someone wanted to connect with you or learn more, where would you send them? Okay. So, um, well, my book is easily found on Amazon, right? The Power of Choice, a Teen's Guide for Finding Personal Success. But I also have my website, which is Claude B. Larson, LLC.com. Um, I'm sure that'll be in the show notes. And, yeah, it will. Um, they can go there. You can find links to my book. You can read comments from educators who have used this book in their classroom. Um, you know, just see their thoughts, their experiences with that. I've put that on there. I've got some free stuff on there. Uh, you can contact me on there. You can um, get me at my email again, Claude B. Larson, LLC at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, I'd love to hear from your listeners. You guys can reach out, have questions. Um, I do workshops, podcasts, obviously. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Very cool. So I'll have all that information in the show notes, easy so for, the, for them to find it. And uh, uh, before we finish up, I have two last questions I'd like to ask my guests. And the, this one, here's the first one. How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Ooh, I'll tell you what, that was, that was the experience of writing this book. I, uh, I had somebody who said they were going to help me and I was all in. We had a whole conversation and then they like ghosted me. I was super worried they had COVID. I was like, what's wow. going on? I haven't heard from them. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And they just, um, you know, disappeared on the project at which point I said, well, looks like I'm on my own. And there were days that I just tore my hair out with technology, mostly technology. Cause you know, uh, give me the hands-on stuff. I'm great. But, you know, all these uh, websites and formatting things and, oh, my word. Um, I, I always said to myself, and I posted it on my wall, like, this is bigger than you. This is what you are leaving. This is your legacy. Uh, I knew that um, although I was leaving the classroom, I knew that this was like that thing I was leaving for education after I was gone, like, I, because, and it's written that way. It's written in an evergreen 
manner. The topics are, you know, timeless. The stories, you know, have a lot of old time stories in there, or it could be modern day time. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, um, it's not time bound. Um, but I knew that I, I just, I love education. It's so important. It is, it is so important. I love to learn. And I thought I am leaving this for all of those who come after me because I know what a difference this made for me. It was huge. Very cool. Oh, awesome. I love it. Uh, last question. Uh, do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Uh, I do. My middle school science teacher, Mr. William Beaumont from uh, Chapel Hill School in Lincoln Park, New Jersey. And he was kind. He was just a nice, nice man. Um, and although I cannot remember the science he taught me, embarrassed to say, perhaps, <laughs> um, I always remember him as one of my absolute favorite teachers. Um, and what I actually did was I searched him out, um, you know, several years ago and said, you know, I don't know if you remember me. You had me for seventh and eighth grade at Chapel Hill School. And I wrote him the nicest letter of gratitude. And I was like, it might surprise you to know that I am now a middle school science teacher. Um, and I thank you for that because you were awesome. And uh, yeah, so um, he, I, I, I know where he was working and I know that he probably received the letter, whether or not he remembered who I was. Um, you know, it's kind of an unusual name. My name at the time was Claude Bouchard. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping that it sparked something. Uh, I never heard back from him, but um, I, I felt it important to reach out and express my gratitude. That's that. That's awesome that you did that. Very, very nice. Very nice. Yeah. You know, uh, and it's cool. That's science. I think that's that's neat that it was your science teacher. So. I said that right, right? <laughs> you know, I know. It's like you don't see that. You don't see that coming. Like when I literally, you know, I could go through all of my, you know, K through uh, 12 teachers, even my college professors. And like just that one stuck out in my mind. And I'm like, how ironic that I ended up literally, you know, having that same job. That's cool. So cool. Uh, uh, thanks. Thanks so much for joining me today. The Power of Choice, A Teen's Guide to Finding Personal Success is an awesome book with powerful advice for teens. And I got to say adults also. <laughs> it's easy to read and understand. Great tool for helping teens figure out a positive pathway to follow. Wishing you the very best in all you do. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And for those of you who hung in all the way to the end of the podcast, I appreciate you as well. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.